Yes, indeed, everyone. Glad to come on on another momentous day in the NBA. Uh, this is the Running With War show with our special trade deadline, Spectacular. A lot of things going on today, man, in the NBA. We we just saw some wildness up on the TNT broadcast, and everything is coming together at, at once with, with the news that's happening tonight. But we're we, we going to parse it all out as best as we can. But, you know, I think you know, the way to look at this is that, you know, you got the league, you know, you had B, you had AD and BC, you know, not, not a, you know, not Anthony Davis, but, you know, <laughs> you know, as far as time goes, you got AD and BC. I think in the NBA now you got B, BT and AT, B before trade and after trade. And you got, you know, maybe, maybe to be specific is before, before Harden and uh, Simmons and after Harden and Simmons and, uh, you know, the trade that we was all expecting to happen, that we was hoping to happen, that to rock the league and reset the league, I think, uh, for the rest of the season has happened today. Uh, it makes the trade deadline, you know, usually there's a couple of different ways you can look at these type of events, you know, with the trade deadline, you know, you can look at quality versus quantity in regards to the trades that are made. But sometimes, you know, you can look at, you can look at quantity over quality, meaning just, you know, you want to see a bunch of trades happen just because, but at certain points, you, you have to have that specific deal that is made that, it, that you know, that really, uh, again, resets the timeline, resets the narrative. And this was, this year, this that deal was, you know, uh, Ben Simmons for uh, James Harden. It, you, know, event, you know, we had it at the beginning of the year knowing that Ben Simmons was uh, pretty much through with Philadelphia. He didn't want to play there anymore. You know, where the the, the question arose of where was he going to go? Over time, you get that twin narrative developing in Brooklyn about, you know, the big three there and how are they coexisting and, you know, just what effect does uh, Kyrie Irving not playing half the games, what is it having on that team we we go on to see that it's affecting James Harden more so than anybody else. And he's fed up with things, how they're going there. And he wants to get out of Brooklyn. So, you know, Wonder Twin Powers activate, <laughs> you know, Sean Marks and, uh, you know, and, and yeah, that's my man in, uh, in Philly. Uh, you know, more yeah. They, they get together, they get in the lab, you know, who knows how long they've been talking over things, but, you know, we were, we were all just plaintively waiting to see if they could make that deal happen in time for the trade deadline today, you know, three o'clock Eastern, two o'clock here in the central time zone. And they did, they didn't waste much time uh, today. A couple of deals went, went off the board, you know, uh, earlier in the day, but, you know, pretty much by noon and then noon hour, I think that deal got announced. And, uh, you know, we all sort of wrote that those remaining three hours, 
of the deadline, just, you know, uh, reacting to that, even as more deals were being made, but uh, winds up being a hell of a day. And like I said, it even plays into this uh, trade, this all-star uh, <laughs> uh, draft thing that they're doing, that currently wrapping up on TNT. We'll get into that later, but, you know, uh, I got my man, Josh Hicks here, as y'all can see, and um, you know, we'll, hopefully we'll have a couple more uh, of our fellas joining us in time. We should have Gabe coming on in the second hour after 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll be on till about uh, 7, uh, probably about 7.45, because I got to hop off and uh, do another show uh, at 8. But uh, uh, Sean Terry uh, giving me some confirmation, co-founder of War Media, that he'll be coming on. He's going to want to talk a lot about what the Bulls did and didn't do. I guess didn't do. They didn't really do anything today. So we're going to definitely talk about the Bulls, talk about the league overall. And, um, yeah, like I say, just a, 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 another monumental day. Josh, man, I'll let, it, I'll let you go into it, man. I've been rambling enough, man. What what, what are your thoughts on the day, man, initial thoughts? And, you know, what? how did, how did uh, everything play out for you? Well, in our in our chat, you know that we that we have regarding the runners. You know, we have a special. We even though this guy couldn't go, be on our show today, we got to give a shout out to our guy Drew. It's his birthday today, so yeah, happy, happy birthday, Drew. Happy that's birthday. that's the only reason why I'm accepting him not coming on today. <laughs> yeah, uh, happy birthday to you, Drew, and I hope you got a hell of a present because the NBA trade deadline was lit. Um, it definitely yes, indeed. There's a lot of fireworks for sure, a lot of drama, a lot of uh, conversation. Um, it's, 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 it's definitely going to be one of those ESPN 30 for 30s, where were you moments, um, especially in regards to this, like you said, this Harden-Simmons trade, the behind the scenes of Simmons getting to, you know, come with the fiasco in Philadelphia, getting to Brooklyn and vice versa with James Harden, you know, not just with what happened with him in Brooklyn, but honestly, you can go back to the Houston days to even that, that got him to Brooklyn um, to be on this, you know, over time, two, two teams in two years. And now he's about to transition to another team with, uh, with the Sixers. Uh, I think if you want to talk about the overall grade or um, opinions as far as who won the trade between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers, James Harden, Ben Simmons, I kind of like both. I think both teams won, um, especially, honestly, if you really think about it, Philadelphia might have been the team that James Harden should have been to in the first place compared to Brooklyn. Yeah, this um, is this sort of like a delayed three. Well, the deal that brought him to Brooklyn was a three-team deal. It was like a delayed four-team deal, sort of. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, like you say, he should have went to Philly in the first place coming out of Houston. But he winds up going to Brooklyn. It winds up being a deeper where he he, my, he only played – he winds up going to be a part of a big three. They wind up only playing 16 games as a big three over a year and a half, which is amazing. And that's, that's going to be cited a lot. But, you know, like, you know, that happens. All this happens. Like, I, you know, I gave my preamble. And, you know, he winds up in the place where he pretty much – anyway, uh, following Daryl Morey up there. And uh, yeah, I, I'll go, go ahead and continue, but I, I just yeah, dropped that off. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's funny how that happened. Like, 
Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, I, and I think what makes this so interesting, the timing of all of this, is the fact that people, you know, criticized Daryl Morey for the longest, talking about, oh, he wanted to, he's, he's waiting to get the right moment to get the right guy. He wants a superstar. You know, we, we were a lot of people were bashing him for his his uh, process in handling this. And yet, look look what look what he got. He ended up getting the superstar in James Harden and a, a, a superstar familiarity on top of that. Create and putting him with Joel Embiid is going to be one of the most deadliest, if not the best duo, in the league right now. Especially when you talk about that pick and roll action where you know James Harden could be so uh, decisive when it comes to creating his own shot off the dribble, um, drawing fouls. Or being able to kick it off to Joel Embiid, who is a pick and pop and a pick and roll guy who could just do it all. Um, Joel Embiid's having an MVP caliber season. Um, as long as James Harden goes to Philadelphia, knowing that at the end of the day, even though the ball may be in his hands a lot, it is still Joel Embiid's team. Um, then Philly's going to have something to work with. But I am going to be interested to see how the dynamic is going to be between James Harden and head coach Doc Rivers, because um, if you really think about it, ever since James Harden left Oklahoma City, he got to Houston and went from Houston now uh, now to Brooklyn. He's played with very chill, laid-back type of coaches, coaches that kind of let him do whatever he wants. Um, Mike D'Antoni, Steve Nash, they've been very – they're offensive-minded and very, and very you know, loose, loose with how they uh, wanted the flow of things to go. You just play ball. You're going now to a set system with Doc Rivers where the office is focusedly made, uh, centered around Joel Embiid, and Doc Rivers is, at the same time, a different type of uh, – even though he's a player's coach, it's a different type of player's coach. You know, he's going to hold you more accountable. He's going he's gonna to be – he's more stern on some things. Um, he's about uh, discipline as well. So because of those things and James Harden not fully being accustomed to that and people are already questioning his character as far as if is James Harden fully committed to doing whatever it takes to win bas- big basketball games to get and win a championship, um, that's going to be an interesting dynamic that's going to play a role that, you have, we have, that I'm for sure going to be paying attention to. And it could be the – this, the deciding factor as well, even though James Harden has opted into his contract for um, next year, for next year's option, we're talking about a year and a half of seeing if this duo and this system, if it can work for James Harden. Um, and yeah. considering that James Harden hasn't tried free agency yet either, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic goes and all the way up until next season or the next off season. Um, to see if he wants to stay with Philadelphia or if he actually wants to move again to a more situation if the things don't, you know, work out in Philadelphia. And that's something I'm definitely going to be paying attention to. And on the Brooklyn Nets side, uh, I think this is well, a huge let, let, let's, let's hold up. Let's hold that for a second. I'm going to Sean in. Right. He's been holding on. And um, What up, boys? What's up? Yo, yo. What's going on, Pharaoh Sean? I'm good, man. Scary hours in the East. A lot of change today. Wow, man, this is wild. Yeah, and and you no, know, we got to say, Sean is out there posted in in Cleveland 
where uh, you know they got some news over this this past week as well. Some some uh, you know good news with the Karis Levert trade and good news overall with the way those Cavs are playing. Because he's a Chicago guy, so he's mainly interested in what the Bulls are doing or not doing. Like I said, and mm-hmm. like I said, we're gonna get into that. But but uh, definitely, uh, you know, bef- uh, before we 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 go to the Brooklyn side of things, I I, I do want to say it is interesting. I'm glad you brought up the the, the contract situation with with Harden because I think amongst our circle we was talking a lot. Uh, leading up to this and and sort of all on the same page thinking that Harden would likely uh, be uh, checking out free agency this year because, it, you know, again, like you say, he hasn't checked it out. He hasn't, he hasn't been a free agent in his career. He's, he went right from uh, the rookie deal with, with uh, Oklahoma city to a big uh, re-up with Houston when he forced that trade and he's just had big re-ups the rest of his career uh, and um, you know, I, yeah, it, it is interesting that he picked up the the uh, the option, I guess, for next year, and they're gonna he's gonna let this play out. Maybe maybe he's has some confidence in some way that you know that that will be that this is worth his while. I mean, this is the move they want to make. He he maneuvered himself again to a place where he wanted to be, and but you know, a lot can change in a year and a half, like you say, Josh, and uh, you know. I, I guess that means more to him that comfort and that at least temporarily and that potential for a chip right away, which is there in Philly, definitely, uh, you know, over maybe his being pampered and uh, appealed to on the free agent market, you know, so uh, we'll, we'll see what it comes down to. Uh, again, people want to mention the Philly strip clubs. I don't know, you know, uh, who has too much familiarity with them. We might have to bring in an expert on that and see, uh, you know, uh, how they'll be able to cater to Harden and all that. But uh, but before we get into the Brooklyn side of things, uh, Sean, just, you know, give your overall take on, you know, reaction to that deal, to that, that deal specifically. We don't go over all the big deals, but that deal specifically, give your, your reaction to it, how it went down, and, and what do you think the fallout's going to be? Yeah, I mean, big time shakeup. I wasn't expecting. Uh, I think in the in the long term, Brooklyn probably wins the deal. I think in the short term, Philadelphia, uh, just because they, you know, they get rid of Simmons, who all star star in the league, love him or hate him, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't on the on the floor for them. So they bring in a guy who is going to produce in in a major way, give them a nice compliment to Embiid. Um, at 32 years old, the, the window and in, in, in sort of in a declining uh, game, just more so because of the way that the league is being officiated now and taking away some of the things that Harden did to get to the free throw line. I think, you know, now's the, the window is now for him uh, in Philadelphia. Personally, you know, I would have loved to see them maybe use some of the assets that they used to get Harden to go after Dame Lillard with, you know, all the change that was happening in Portland. And, and knowing that Harden showed, showed his hand and, and being interested in Philadelphia, maybe made that move in the offseason as a free agent. Uh, and then really, you know, they would have had a nice big three going in the next year. But it is what it is. It's going to be a learning curve for both teams. So, you know, out of the gates, I I, I don't think that either one is really going to, you know, just take off. It's, it's going to be some, um, some getting to know each other and, and some adjustments made 
on both sides. So we'll, we'll see how this thing plays out. It'll be a trip, though, if they end up facing each other in that first round. Or any round, really. But, yeah, it it could it could definitely happen. I, you know, I was thinking that, about that myself. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh, you know, you, you know, uh, as I said, we take it over to the Brooklyn side of this thing. And, you know, you know, Sean mentions how the things, you know, short, you know, re- re- refers to how things sort of played out with this deal where at one point the leverage may have been different for Philly against Brooklyn. And, but things changed when it became so apparent that uh, Harden wanted out and that he wanted to go to Philly. Leverage changed at that point. And I think it worked out in a way for Philly where they were able to retain some talent that Brooklyn may have been more, uh, you know, earlier in the in the process, earlier in, in the uh, negotiations may have, you know, Brooklyn may have been more intent on having certain guys uh, come in the deal back to them, in particularly uh, Matisse Teibel and, uh, and Ty- Tyrese Maxey. Uh, those were uh, two guys that were talked about quite a bit. In the end, they are kept out of the deal, and they were they're still in Philly. Whereas, uh, you know, uh, uh, little uh, little brother Curry, Seth Curry, is involved in the deal, and Andre Drummond, who was providing some key minutes uh, in the you know reserve minutes in their uh, front court in in Philly, and uh, you know could do much of the same in Brooklyn, but not necessarily a terrible loss uh, when you count either of those guys and not a loss that really affects their future in Philly uh, as much as uh, losing Tybal or Maxie would. So, uh, you know, you know, I guess starting from that point, like I say, you look at what Brooklyn receives, uh, you know, while also giving up uh, only Harden and uh, uh, Millsap, Paul Millsap, who incidentally was a target for the Bulls, uh, a lot of reports said. But, uh, you know, what what do you think about, like I say, the interaction there, the exchange, and, you know, like I say, you want to take it over to reaction, uh, you know, looking at Brooklyn? No, I think it's big that uh, Philly was able to maintain those two guys and still have um, ideally a, a firepower type of offense still to go along with Joel Embiid and James Harden. Um from Brooklyn's side of it, though, I think it's actually kind of a, kind of a big deal that they actually were able to get those two picks. Um, just because the picks now they were able to regain some of that uh, that those assets that they gave up and to get James Harden, and you can utilize that to flip it in some way, shape, or form this offseason. Um, especially, I think I think that was part of the plan when it came to the trade deadline. Actually, because once this trade was fit was complete. They was trying to trade potentially Andre Drummond uh, or um, Nick Claxton, I want to say, with those two picks for Miles Turner. Um, But they was able to flip that. You're talking about a three-headed monster with potentially Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant. If Kyrie was playing for, you know, all the games, Kyrie Irving along with uh, Miles Turner, that's a whole other story. Um, But in regards to what they were able to fulfill now, Ben Simmons – is going to fit in perfectly with the Nets. Um, I actually think he's going to be a better fit than people expect um, with the Nets than he is in Philly, um, especially since offensively Ben Simmons, even though we you, we get on him about how he doesn't want to score the ball, he doesn't want he's scared to shoot free throws, 
um, and, and scared to get fouled or things of that sort, that's fine. Um, but it actually gives them an opportunity to be more of a power forward type of guy um, or a point forward per, per se that allows, that gives all the free reign offensively, kind of opens up the floor for Kevin Durant to still be Kevin Durant. If Kyrie Irving was still being Kyrie Irving, is, is able to play more games, at least for the real games that he has, you still have a, score, a, a scoring option with Kyrie. And honestly, when even though the big three originally of James Harden, uh, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, even though they won majority of the games, they only played 16 games, I think they won 13 of them together. Even though they won those 13 games, you can tell there's still some sort of this, 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 I mean, dysfunction in a way, offensively, when it comes to taking turns. You alleviate some of that now with Ben Simmons, who's more of a facilitator and someone that actually helps their fast break game and pushing the pace, pushing the tempo, and he knows how to help get guys like Kyrie and Kevin Durant into their sweet spots for them, for them to flourish even more offensively. Then I also think Ben Simmons defensively brings that additional perimeter help and versatility that the team desperately needs. Um, but also the sleeper of this trade, too, aside from Ben Simmons, is Seth Curry because Brooklyn needs shooting terribly, and they got, they got some of that. And not to mention, now you got Joe Harris eventually coming back, too, when he's fully healthy. You got that coming back this season. Combining that with Seth Curry, you have additional shooting with more uh, guard play of Cam Thomas coming off the bench, who people are really underrating on and sleeping on in this league. He can, he can fill up some buckets as well. Um, so, be, so I think because of the Seth Curry addition, it makes the trade that much more ideal for the Brooklyn Nets because offensively they have more shooting. Ben Simmons, can, if you get a, a, a good Ben Simmons mentally coming back and he's still in good shape and gives you at least 80% of what he's good at, which is facilitation, uh, facilitating the offense and playing great defense, combined with the scoring opportunities of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I mean, you, if you put yourself in a better position to go get that championship that you originally was coveting and trying to go after when you brought Harden in the first place. And I honestly – bringing Ben Simmons to replace that option now makes your offense better. And it puts the Nets in a better position to reclaim, hopefully, some of that momentum and get back to the back into the swing of things of where they were when they did have that big three lineup. Now, I can't, I can't really argue any of that, Josh, but I think the one thing that, I, that sticks with me and, and the one thing I think that needs to be this, uh, figured out uh, in the near future, at least, is how soon will Ben be ready to play? Mm-hmm. And what mind state will he be in once he gets on the court? How long will he be in a truly competitive uh, place where he, he can – we do know, yeah, we can. he can do all those things that you say on the court. But we also know that he has brain farts or brain locks at some at some very key times that's that's really what led to all this happening what he, his play in that game in that series really in general against Atlanta but especially in that game 7 if he's that guy still when he gets to Brooklyn then his impact on that team is going to be limited but if he if he has learned something or if he has steeled himself some way uh reserve you know if he has gained some reserve in his in his spirit through this whole 
situation, and he may be, he may have done that. He may, he may come away from this saying, "Look, I won. I I stood my ground. I didn't come back into the fold in Philly. I told them that I had, I had my, I felt the way I felt, and I wasn't gonna come back. And you have to deal with that Philly seventy uh, sixes, and they, and that's what around what happened. He didn't play another second for that team after that playoff series. And he winds up now playing alongside two of the best players in the in the league. Two you know, arguably top ten players in the league and Kyrie and K D. And uh, you know, that that I, that has to mean something for him. But we gotta still see him execute and get out on that court and uh, you know, bring it in, in a competitive fashion for we can uh, before we can be comfortable saying that he's going to do all those things that Josh said, but he's definitely capable of doing those things. And, and my question, I, I'll just throw it out to you, Sean, is how soon do you think he'll be able to do that, if if at all, at, at any point in this? Will it be during this season? Will we have to wait for another season for him to get going again or you know, even longer? I think there's plenty of season left for him to, to really ramp up you know, from a conditioning standpoint, but I think what you're referring to is like the mental edge. Uh, yeah, mental edge. I mean, spiritual edge. Yeah. yeah, I took a page out of out of Josh's uh, book in, in reference to the personality fit with with the coach. And on the flip side, you know, you 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 pair Ben Simmons with a coach like Steve Nash, who you know they they both international guys nash has a you know at least from from our optics a pretty laid-back personality that i think probably meshes better with simmons and then you know he's you know they, they talk about shooting doctors who can you know work with a player and get in his head i mean nash is one of the best shooters in the game the history of the game and and he's you know on record in, in having a big role in unlocking the full potential of dirt and whiskey and in the, the mavericks years and to a lesser degree but still very much important during this time with the Suns and, and helping St- Amari Stoudemire reach his full potential. So I think that the, the makings are there for a, a, a good matrimony between Simmons and, and Nash as a head coach. And then, you know, what, what you, you pair him with a guy like KD who has a similar laid back vibe and, you know, is, is an assassin of a shooter as well. I think some of that just naturally takes the pressure off of Simmons to, to, you know, have to have to score in ways that Philly wanted to see him score. And, and Josh hit on all the points on, on the court with, with his game and being able to just play to his strengths. You put a player in a position with that much talent to just do what he does well and not have a lot of pressure offensively, you know, he, I, I definitely think, you know, he can come in and contribute right away. Um, he's been battle-tested, so he's got the edge of, of last year's playoff experience to, to kind of, you know, is it, on the flip side, it could be a detriment, but it also could be one of those things where he's been sitting out for three or four months, you know, getting getting ready to destroy. So I, I always look, you know, glass half full. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, it's going to take him some time to get his sea legs, and he hadn't played, like, NBA basketball, but it's plenty, what, 40-plus games plus the playoffs. And he, he's got more than enough time to get ready for the playoffs for a deep run with a, with a Nets team who now on paper, gosh, I mean, Kyrie, his situation, you know, they, they get to, to play the, the middle of the pack thing and, and make a late push. We'll see if they can get in that top four, but 
you know, like I said, it's scary hours. Nobody wants to see them in a, in a seven game series now with that that three. Yeah, it's it's about uh maybe 30, 35 games left. I would think. Let me see. The Nets have played uh, uh sixty four games. So yeah, not it's it's it, we're far, we're a bit further along in the season than you than you think, but yeah. uh still yeah, some time. There's some time there. Well, let and, me add um, this too. I I think the the Drummond acquisition probably is, is something that we can't underscore like. Size was an issue for for Brooklyn this year, you know. On paper, you got Aldridge and and Blake Griffin, but at best, those are you know aging veterans, pick and pop guys. But they weren't getting down dirty in the paint like that. Drummond gives you a counter to an MB, somebody who you can rely on in a in a seven game series. Uh, Milwaukee, they got much larger in, in in their front court. Cleveland with their seven footer, so. Low key, you know, the Drummond acquisition. Granted, they didn't get Thibel and and um, and Maxi. I think low key, the Drummond acquisition may work even more to their advantage in the short term this year, based on on, sure. on who you might encounter in the in the playoffs in the seven game series of, you know, with the front course that I just mentioned. And Curry and Curry, I I really like Curry in that deal because he supplements you. With the with the three point shooting that was lost with Joe Harris being out, so yeah, it they Brooklyn did well for itself in the deal. I would I would definitely say, and uh, you know even even like I said, I I don't know, I I, I said it on Twitter. Like, I thought they were wild if, if if they were asking for Maxi on top of Simmons, I think they were kind of wild for doing it. But it might have been, you know, a negotiating ploy that allowed them to get something else that they wanted or wanted just as much and that could have been like you say sean that size and that uh you know that uh shooting that uh, you know that helps except helps uh, you know uh supplement things that they that they have but they hadn't had as much of this year because of of injuries or whatnot but uh before we move on to the bulls you know anything else you want to jump on from uh you know the last bit that we we took from you from you, Josh, as far as uh, the, the deal? No, I think uh, Sean hit, hit, made a very good point, especially when it comes to the Andre Drummond uh, situation. You know, because Brooklyn definitely was thin in the front court. Um, and to be able to get a, a, a quality talented Andre Drummond, uh, the pair with Marcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin, Nick Claxton, uh, and that core mm-hmm. there. That's a pretty. That's a pretty big thing. That's going that they're going to need down the stretch. Um, obviously, we got to make sure that hope that you know, Ben Simmons is all right mentally, and he's able to come back um, ready to roll. But from reports that came out, it seems like he's already taken those big steps. Uh, he's excited for this chapter, and he's ready. He can't wait to get on the court. It appears in due time. So, I'm, I'll yeah. be interested to see uh, how that goes, especially if he does play before March comes. Uh, I want to say Philadelphia, uh, Brooklyn goes to Philadelphia. I think it's March seventh or something, along, something like that. So that could be the yeah. Game. That, that's been mentioned that their upcoming game. Uh, let me see, but go, go ahead, go ahead. But no, I think that's that's a game to circle now. <laughs> uh, but they're going to yeah. list uh, to see how Philly's going to react to Ben Simmons coming to that coming to that uh, to, to that city again. So hopefully he's prepared for that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's sidelined for the most part 
um, until and doesn't come back until after that um, because that can be a lot and it can take a toll mentally on him if he's not prepared for it. Um, but yeah. it's definitely something to look My- forward to, and I'm, I'm interested to see how the rest of the season goes between both of those teams because they that trade alone was the worst thing that could possibly that's the worst news the Bulls could have gotten. Um, with that, with that trade taking place, um, especially since both of those teams got better because of it, 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 it was one of the worst things you could you could have asked for, not just for the Bulls, but for the Eastern Conference in general. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, that game is March tenth, and uh, March tenth, right? So, uh, yeah, it's still it's some time there uh, for for him to whether he uh, Simmons whether he gets on the court or not to uh, ramp himself up for that game. There's been some that I, I did remember some discussion earlier on, on social media about, you know, whether he would want to play that game or not. I think it would be a good sign if he does want to play that game and he, he shows up and takes what, you know, the game will be in Philly. So if he, if he shows up and is willing to take what uh, the Philly crowd offers him, I think it'll be a good sign about where he's at mentally and where he what he's ready to do in, in the immediate future for the Nets and not just, uh, you know, for the extended future. But, um, yeah, like, we're going to get to the Bulls in a second, but I want to I want to make a, a quick detour because we are going to talk about this more later, but the the All-Star draft, uh, like I said, just wrap, wrapped up on TNT. I don't know if you saw this, Sean, but it was a great the, – the, the draft really got great in the in the uh, when they were drafting the bench players because uh Harden is in the bench and um you know the 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 captains as uh, if you don't know if you uh, you in the audience don't know was uh KD and uh you know cuz he has leading vote getter in the east and LeBron uh leading vote getter in the west so um you know they were making their picks and everything and slowly but surely it was noticeable to everybody. Of course, it was noticeable to Chuck because, you know, he's he's the petty. You know, Chuck and Shaq, the, they know petty when they see it. And, uh, you know, they were starting to laugh because it was, ob- it was getting obvious that uh, that KD was uh, avoiding picking Harden. And, it, <laughs> and, and with every pick, it got, you know, the laughter came out more and more. And, you know, LeBron got into it. He started hiding his face and stuff. Because <laughs> LeBron wasn't picking them either, and it winds up, it winds up at the end. Harden is the last pick because the the last two picks were Harden and uh, God, uh, Gobert. Gobert, yes, thank you. And so it was Harden and Gobert on the screen, and uh, it was KD's pick, and KD was like, mm, "Well, you know, I need some size." It, it, he he's so deadpan. It was, that was the best part of it because KD KD knows he, he you know KD knows how to play this whole situation. He knows that everybody know is in on what he's doing at this point, and he doesn't he he's not laughing. He's not he, he's not giving away the joke at all. He's playing it completely deadpan, and he's like, well, you know, I need me some size, so I will go with Durant. I mean, I'm going up uh, uh, <laughs> Gobert. And then everybody just bust up because you know uh, Harden is the last player left on on, and you know by default he goes to uh, goes to LeBron's team. But it, that was that's just great TV. It's, it's going to be people going to be talking about that uh, for the next twenty four hours. Definitely how that played out. But uh, 
Like I said, we'll, we'll go over the teams in in a little bit. And um, uh, the Bulls, by the way, you know, uh, the two all-sides from the Bulls, one going on each side. Uh, DeRozan, as a starter, was picked by uh, LeBron. And uh, Levine was uh, picked off the bench by Durant. So they're going to be on separate teams. So that'll be interesting. But like I said, we'll go more to that uh, with when Gabe comes on. But uh, let's just go into the Bulls. Like I said, it's not – Really, uh, is a it's the complete opposite of last year. Uh, they weren't a playoff team last year, but they sort of went in during the deadline and and made an effort to make themselves a playoff team. Didn't wind up uh, playing out that way. This year, they are a playoff team. They made you know great seismic moves over the off season to get themselves in this position and. Yet and still, there's still some obvious areas of the team and the front court in particular where people would have liked to have seen them do something. But, you know, when you look at the way the, the roster is right now, who's available and what's available at what prices, it didn't really look like they were going to be able to do anything of any significance today. And that's how it played out. So there's a couple ways to look at it. You know, you could be scared to death right now because – Half of the potential playoff teams, at least half in the East, they improved themselves today, definitely, uh, starting with those Nets and 76ers. Or you could say, you could, you could say, look, the Bulls are falling back and they're, and they're bound to fall back even more in light of what's happened today. Or you could just say, look, the Bulls will have reserves coming eventually. Uh, Caruso and uh, Ball should be back before the end of the regular season. And uh, there's a there's a uh, increasing possibility that Patrick Williams will be available by the post by the postseason. So you know, I, I leave it to you guys. What do you what are your guys' reactions and on what the Bulls didn't do today? Do you think that they played it right? And uh, do you expect anything to happen in regards to the uh, the buyout market and stuff? You know, what, what are y'all thoughts overall? You go ahead, Josh. No, I think I think I'm, I'm not surprised um, with the with the roster that's currently constructed and the contract situations of each of the players that we have. Uh, it was going to be tough to flip and turn deals, anyways, especially if you're not willing to give up Patrick Williams or maybe even a Kobe White. Um, I think it would have been difficult to pull off any type of major trade. Um, but I think it's a testament to Arturo's Cronusivis and Mark Eversley's. Um, path and direction where they feel this team is going. It's how much faith they have in this in this in this roster that's currently constructed to and that they believe that it's a playoff team that can go to that next they have the really strong springboard to go to that next level. Uh, they're proud of the foundation that's being laid. So I so because of that, you know, there's no need to shake the foundation when over time you can eventually build on it. And I think that's why they're willing to go out and check out the buyers, the buyout market. Now, Kyle, you know, I've talked about with, I was the bulls. I would have done the same thing. Kept the roster as mm-hmm. is looking to some things here and there for maybe for some wing depth or for sure, big man depth. Cause they need some more uh, depth in that front court. And one of the best ways you can get that for quality talent for, uh, for a low price is the buyout market. Um, we saw that, you know, I, even though Kyle looked at me kind of crazy when I put us on Twitter, but uh, freedom is on the market. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Enos, Enos Cancer or Enos Freedom is on Enos the market. Yeah. 
got bought out. He's a big man that gets gets rebounds and can be a little bit of an offensive threat. You know, something. Well, look, look, I, you know, just a, a, a right quick. I I mentioned in the in, when the deals were still happening uh, before the deadline. I mentioned being a little irked or perturbed, as it were, that uh, a guy like Montrez Harrell went off the board. Yeah. You know, he get, he went he winds up getting traded to Charlotte for really not much at all. Uh, Ish Smith and uh, another guy, young guy who wasn't wasn't getting any playing time, uh, but. You know, I mentioned that in a shout out to Sean Davis, who, you know, giving us a retweet on Twitter, uh, you know, while we've been on, you know, you know, he came at, you know, he's never afraid to let his opinion be known. He was, he came to me about like, you know, why am I, you know, uh, you know, uh, upset at all about that. And, and, you know, he brought up the fact that Harold isn't really the guy that, you know, because the Bulls issue in regards to the front court in particular, that's to do with defense and rebounding. It's not an offensive issue. The Bulls are still scoring like 120 a game as is. So I was just like, look, Harold gives you some edge. He gives you, you know, some energy in that front court that I would rather have than not have, even if he's not the greatest defender, you know, on pick and roll or whatever, on you know, on ball, whatever. I would rather have that, especially if you're not giving up much for him than not have it. Now, if you're talking about a player who is comparable in that way, but even less of a player, I would say that Edith's freedom is the one. And on top of that, he's he's sort of pissed me off with his uh, personal opinions in recent months as well. So he's not a guy I would really welcome to be on the Chicago Bulls. If they bring them on, it's not going to make me, you know, root for the team any less. But, like I said, I just wouldn't want – I would rather they go in a different direction if possible. <laughs> I completely – I feel you, man. I feel you on that. Um, but I think that's just what – I think the Bulls are going to – They, I'm pretty sure they did their due diligence. And after mm-hmm. doing their due diligence, they made – right, Let me get Let me get this up uh, – we got we got some stuff from AK uh, in the in the but I'm gonna I'm gonna get some of these quotes up but you can keep talking while I do that uh, but he has some response already about uh, to the media about what why things played out the way they did today. Yeah, um, I think there's reports out there that uh, he really wasn't serious about getting rid of Patrick Williams in any way, shape, or form, which makes sense considering he's the guy. He's like one of the first guys he. Brought to the brought to the team as a, as a mm-hmm. operation, so it makes sense. Um, if anyone was to go, probably Kobe White, considering that you know he was an inherited player um, that's young and has a good upside, but also can give you good quality, uh, you know, um, talent. And the Bulls didn't swing, so um, I think it's just at the end of the day, they trust Billy Donovan. They trust the current roster that's in place. They're going. They're focusing on maybe not winning right now, but waiting for them to make this final big push towards the postseason when everybody comes back healthy. And once everybody comes back healthy, the Bulls will be a force to reckon with over time. Um, and I think those last thirty-five games, thirty-five plus games before that, before that postseason hits, um, is going to be key for those guys to get back into the good chemistry that they had in the beginning of the season. Um, especially me talking about defensively. 
on how the Bulls uh, struggle defensively in the, amongst the perimeter. So I think that's going to be a big thing that obviously we're going to have to look out for, and maybe the buyout, the buyout market can help assist in some of those areas, especially from a big men's perspective. But I think the Bulls are just comfortable with what they have and have faith within their own rights that this team currently constructed can still go to the next level, even, even though the East – the, uh, the rest of the top teams in the East or we preferred from a superstar talent top teams in the East came out and made the moves that they made. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I know, I, I know you're going to go in, um, Sean, but uh, let me, let me uh, like I said, give some of these quotes from AK first is quoted on ABC sports, Chicago. Um, let me see. Uh, I think it reflects that we like this group, Cardinal Silva said when asked about standing pat. This is uh, for Casey Johnson. Uh, Billy obviously said it all along. We're just guys to come back from injuries to get this group together because we had a short sample of 16 games where most of our guys were healthy. I think it's there have been tweets too today that have mentioned that the real starting lineup of the Bulls hasn't really played but five games together this year. Uh, so, I, you know, we could, uh, we could ch- double-check that, but that sounds about right. But uh, back to the quote, uh, that doesn't include Patrick. In those 16 games, we were top five in offense and defense, so we liked what we looked like when everyone was healthy. Hopefully we'll get this group back and c- see what we can do. And uh, Casey goes on to write that, a soft target date of mid-March is being discussed re- internally regarding uh, Patrick Williams' return. So that's, you know, you're looking at a possibility in mid-March of having Lonzo back, uh, Russo back, and P. Will back. Uh, you know, with all that said, you know, does, does that factor into your thinking and your reaction about you know, the Bulls standing pat? Sure. Uh, it doesn't. Um, but I'm not. I'm not shocked. You know, I mean, like I was hoping they dance, but at the same time, when you hear Donovan for two weeks and AK for you know the better part of the the season, quoting chemistry and how much value they put on that, I think that was their clue. They they tipped their hand that they probably weren't going to make a move, even though I will argue like a dude like Serge Ibaka who has prior chemistry with DeRozan and Billy Donovan could have been, you know, an easy transition to this team and probably didn't, would not have required a lot of movement. Maybe, uh, you know, Troy Brown Jr. and the Tice trade exception and given that LA is a luxury tax team, like that might've been enough to get a surge, but nevertheless, it wasn't on the Bulls mind to make a move at the trade deadline. But I mean, Cal, my issue is really, it boils down to, We've seen them, you know, the new front office make make their stamp be, you know, taking the methodical approach to getting their guy and, and not, you know, overextending to lose assets. But I would argue that this is really like the second year in a row where you've gone into a season with a gross roster negligence kind of hanging over the head of, of, of a season. Now, last year – it was more, it was more glaring, right? They didn't address the point guard issue, even though we knew we, we later found out that Lonzo ball was their guy all along, but 
the fact that you didn't address the point guard situation, like that had a domino effect, right? Like you you went basically it a half probably season. kept them out of the playoffs last year, yeah. Well, not just that, but you go a half a season and and you 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 place a, a perceived value on a Wendell Carter Jr. and a Lowry Markkinen, who what I would argue if you had a point guard, maybe maybe Lowry has more trade value at, the, at last year's deadline, and instead of having to move yeah. Wendell Carter, you could have acquired Busevich by moving Lowry Markkinen. You know, you see what Franz Wagner is doing down there. I mean, you could easily you know see Lowry in that in a similar role in Orlando. So. And maybe they were thinking Darren Collinson was that fix. They they tried to get him before the season started last year. It didn't happen. But the fact that you didn't address that, it, it created a, a domino effect that affected you moving forward. So you you gave up Carter and two first round picks to get your center, but now you have a hole at, at power forward. So I I really am disappointed that they didn't they didn't act this year. Uh, we keep hearing when we get healthy, but you know. That, that four to six window, week window that they're still in to, to getting your troops back, it leaves me concerned that there's an attrition uh, issue that, that may pop up with, you know, the workload that you're putting on DeRozan. I don't know how many times that, that dude hits the floor again, but, you know, I, I, I pause my breath every time I see it. You know, Zach Levine's already been in and out of the lineup, and we hope that he doesn't have, you know, kinetic chain issues happening. And I can I can get into a whole soapbox about you know switching up sneakers every night and what that might be doing to them, uh, but you know if if Vooch goes down like they they're screwed. You look at the rebound disparity with him on and off the floor, like that size issue is not something to, to be played with, you know. And so I keep hearing when we get our guys back when we get at full strength, well, what does that really even look like, you know, at, by the end of the year if you're putting that much of a load on your on your top end of the roster with with Zach DeRozan and Vooch. So uh fingers crossed, knock on wood, they don't they don't suffer any more injuries. Um I was never really that high on the defense being sustainable in the first place. I just looked at how they were playing the first 30 games of the season and you could look at you know the the style of defense that they were playing and know that there was going to be a little bit of dip and, and injuries were likely just, you know, given the pace and, and the frenzy uh, way that they get after it when Caruso and balls on the floor. But uh, it is what it is at this point. They didn't get their guy. They're going to probably, you know, by default, try to address the holes in the buyout market. I just don't know what's out there. You know, it's still going to maybe be another week before we see what that picture looks like. And at best you, you might be working the margins to bring somebody in, but, uh, was really disappointed they didn't they didn't make a, a, a semi splash and address address the hole in the trade market. That's I mean that's fair I would say you know I think I I agree for the most part. I just you know I like see in the way that I was interacting with fans and you know uh, looking at other fans' opinions and uh, the way they were expressing them on Twitter today. I just don't think is reason to really. So down. It's only you know you could be a little disappointed that nothing happened today, but I just don't think it's a reason to be down about the team in general. So you know, let's just see how, again. Let's see how this 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 uh, four to six week uh, period plays out, and let's see how the guys look when they return, and uh, see how this season plays out overall. You know, I, it's going to be tough. It was going to be tough regardless if they, regardless of their health. 
So it's just going to be what it is. And, you know, I'm like, again, I'm the one who in, in our recent, uh, most recent survey on uh, Substack, I, I had to finish in the highest in the league. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm not looking through rose colored glasses, but I'm just looking to think that I think the team is coached well enough and they have enough depth still to where I think they can. I really just think there's there ain't but five or six teams that could really abuse the Bulls and their deficiencies on a given night. Everybody else can really easily fall to them on any given night. And I think that'll be enough to keep them at least in that top three area, you know, if not top four. I, I definitely don't see them falling any further than that. But uh, I, I look, I'm looking at the numbers. You in a given series, though, in the, in the best of seven. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, the, that's, the, that's, that's the difference. The playoffs is a different animal. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, right now we're still in that regular season, and I think we're looking at where they can compete and put themselves in position to maybe be have a have home court advantage at least for one round, which which will be key. So yeah, I, but yeah, the playoffs is a different animal, Sean. You're right about that. And I just want to mention right quick the minutes distribution, and uh, you know I'm I'm glad that the like I said I'm glad that the team is as deep as it is, and I'm glad that a, a coach like Thibodeau actually is it the coach right now because. It could be it, it could be even harder on the guys, but right now you got Demar leading the team with just over thirty five minutes a game. Uh, Lonzo is uh, over thirty four, uh, and Zach is right behind him, pretty much the same thirty four point six, thirty four point five. Nikola uh, thirty three uh, minutes a game, just under thirty four, and then you drop off to about twenty seven. Uh, over 27 minutes each for Caruso and White a game. And Williams, it's only five games, but he averaged 25 minutes a game. Io 24, you know, and, and Javante 23. And then you got everybody else under 20 minutes a game. But you got at least 16 players on the roster, you know, who have played this year, who have played at least 10 minutes a game. So, you know, there may not be as much of an issue with, uh, strict wear and tear, but you are relying a lot on your top guys. And, uh, you know, when Caruso and Ball are going to be back, you're going to be relying a lot on them to uh, keep contain uh, opposing offenses from the three-point line and back because, you know, as of now, they still don't have that solid rim protector that you would be able to be like, well, we can funnel deep. We can funnel, uh, you know, guys in transition or, in, or even in the half court. We could funnel ball handlers to this rim protecting guy, and and still feel comfortable and and not necessarily giving up points. The, the Bulls, if the Bulls can't be olaying anybody with their defense as as it is right now, if you if they let people get behind uh, get behind them, they're giving up points, and we've seen to what degree that's. That is the case over the last really month, but you know, they, they the averages just haven't been there. They've been giving up way too many points, and they don't seem to know how to stop it without uh, Caruso and Ball on the court. 
Yeah, that's all. That's all. That's all facts at the end of the day. Um, but I mean, like I said, this stuff just doesn't surprise me. Um, we just got to see how the Bulls come together in those last thirty-five games or so, or whatever games that are left when you have everybody come back. And we are over here talking about you know the impact of Caruso. We're talking about the impact of Lonzo Ball. We're talking about the in, the impact that potentially Patrick Williams will have, even though we've had small sample sizes of it. You haven't even talked about the impact of Derrick Jones Jr. and how he played, how he plays a role, especially in that small ball lineup as the as the power forward or the or the small five, depending on the, ro- the roster that's being uh, put out there. He's been great for us yeah. on the defensive end as well. So uh, missing that, his athleticism um, and his lengthiness on the court uh, from a versatility perspective, I, that's something that the Bulls are missing as well. So when if you once you get all that back. And you're able to get Patrick Williams as well. That's just going to add additional depth that in that front court area that we probably that we need. But at the same time, they probably are, that's why that's probably why they didn't even make a move in the first place because they're banking on the fact that when Patrick Williams comes back, they can eventually get him acclimated along with Derrick Jones Jr. to strengthen that uh, front court area, and then maybe look in the buyout market to bring somebody else in. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they were thinking that way, but Derrick Jones Jr. does play a, a pretty decent role in what that defense looks like, especially when it comes to the perimeter and potentially the post when you talk about the small ball lineup that they play. As, as well said, Josh, about uh, what, what Patrick Williams brings potentially. You know, don't, uh, I think the issue probably with some fans is that we just haven't seen him do it long enough because he, you know, he's only played a year or so. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely the potential is there for him to have that impact at that four position, and uh, yeah, that probably did impact the way that uh, AK and Eversley approached this uh, this uh, deadline period. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Well, we, let's bring in Gabe now. We got Gabriel Wilkins joining us for this second hour. What's going on, man? What's happening? Right, having a good day, man. This uh this this is you know, I've seen you all day on social media, you know. This is definitely a day uh like I say for if you're a real real hoop head and really into the NBA, that uh, you know, you, you sort of rejoice in a day like this and it gives you every, gives you a lot to talk about. So I I'm guessing that's how you feel in general, right? Oh yeah, it's always a big day. It's, it's a big day too because it gives me a chance to you know talk with people that I know that's kind of somewhat in the loop with certain guys and um, that you typically won't talk to until like the off season comes around or during the summertime. So the cool part about it too, a um, lot of big time moves happen today. I mean, can't recall any time during my lifetime where I've seen two all stars or the caliber of a James Harden and a Ben Simmons being involved in a deal for one another, man. Um, I don't I don't think that's something we're going to see in, in quite some time because that just doesn't happen often. And especially anytime you have a trade that happens with, with two teams that are in the same division and in the same conference. Um, you talk about a rivalry, a rivalry that's already been there between the next you can say that it's very, very well renewed at this point because that next um, a month from today, I believe, March the 10th, that's going to be jam-packed. Yeah. And it's going to be a battle. And I can see a lot of fans 
um, there. Yeah, we we we, we gonna get back to some league wide stuff. We we haven't gone over the other uh, impactful deals of the day yet, but uh, no, not too much. But uh, we we've been talking about the Bulls uh, when you come in that gave and you know reacting to them stand pat and really uh, they say not challenging uh, the market in 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 as aggressive a way that they did last year. Uh, you know, they were hamstrung. You know, anybody who's followed the team noticed that they were hamstrung much more this year uh, financially and uh, personnel-wise than they were last year. And uh, but they and they're also blessed to be a much better team with less uh, needs than they were last year. So, uh, you know, if you just want to give your opinion right quick on, on what you think, you know, your reaction to how the Bulls played this this deadline and what do you think it means for them going forward? My reaction in regards to the Bulls, I mean, they, they were kind of limited in what they could do, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime you have as many young ranging from a Kobe White um, to Patrick Williams, you have to be very careful about you trade those guys for them. You're seeking to trade them in the effort to try and bring all-star talent to the city of Chicago. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of backlash from fans who you sought to tell to be guys. Um, you know, you're going to have a that comes with that. So uh, unless they were able to get a marquee player in the city, I didn't really see them seeking to make a big-time move. Jeremy Grant yeah, that sounded good, and that would have been a nice addition. But at the same same time, you give up something to get something. But at the same time, the Bulls have a, a young quarter they're seeking to build around. You got young guys that are trying to learn how to play together, not only, you know, as one, but also at the same time. And winning against more so – Winning, they're winning now, but like winning against the primetime team, the Brooklyn's and the Philadelphia and the Miami's, you know, and and Cleveland rolls up there, but they also have swell. So I'm I'm not shocked that they stood pat. However, I wonder how will they seek to play the buyout market? Def, def. You know, I guess, you know, unless y'all got anything else to add, we, we pretty much spoke enough on the bulls as at the moment. And uh we like I said we just gotta see like like Gay said, like we've all said essentially what they what are they gonna do in that buyout market, how how is it gonna unfold, who's gonna be available. Uh there may be a chance that they go after another guard in the buyout market. Maybe a Gordon a Gordon Dragic who got uh uh he, he got traded today to Dallas. Maybe he winds up getting let go. Oh, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Uh, what'd you say? I thought I thought I heard something. My fault. <laughs> but uh, you know, he wasn't getting. He may be on them on the market. Uh, you know, a Schroeder, somebody like that might be on the market. That's you know, Bullsman uh, rumored to be interested in him. You know, we'll we'll see uh, whether it's uh, helping out that backcourt more or. 
you know, doing what everybody wants to see them do and, and appeal to that front court. You know, uh, we still we just got to see what the market is and what's what's going to be available out there. But looking at what was done today and what wasn't done today, I think a, a nice little uh, question I got right now is, you know, who are you surprised to see wasn't deal, dealt with, uh, dealt, I should say, uh, today? You know, would, would the biggest surprise be Jeremy Grant? Or is there anybody else who you may uh, rank up with him as far as, uh, you know, who you're most surprised wasn't dealt uh, on this day? Wall. John Wall, to me, who, who is arguably the biggest loser of the trade deadline. Granted, he's getting paid mm. and paid recently in Houston. But now from, you know, having a packed deal with the front of Bell Stone and his crew. And, you know, you, you go from having a promise that you to, to now no one's inquiring about your services. And it's wild to me that nobody really sought to give the Rockets a call in regards to John Wall because while John is on a hefty contract, John Wall can still be a very solid floor general in this league. John Wall has shown up to be an improved shooter beyond the three-point line. Um, last year in Houston, albeit in Sources, he helped keep that young squad competitive and in a lot of games. And I just was very surprised that it wasn't a single team that tried to make an inquiry in regards to his services. You know, you take a team like the Knicks with Derrick Rose down, you know, questions about Kimba and his health. I don't think that would have hurt a team like the Knicks to maybe give John Wall some consideration, even though I understand maybe why they didn't. We're going to keep your books clear going into the new year um, that's to come, whether your team makes the playoffs or not. But John Wall not getting dealt, that that was a, that kind of surprised me. I knew his name would be around in a lot of rumors and, and, and circulating here and there, but for him not to get dealt, especially an all-star level guard, um, albeit, you know, a couple years removed from Achilles um, tear and uh, um, issues with his meniscus, he still can produce at a high level. And I think it's a team, specifically in the Western Conference that we talked about many times on this show that could use him. But now with guys like Schroeder potentially ending, ending up on a buyout market in Houston, um, Goran Dragic probably ending up on a buyout market in San Antonio, you you now have options, and John Wall won't be a part of that market, and it causes him an opportunity to play, even though he's still getting paid. Yeah. It's funny that you uh, it's funny that you said that, Gabe, because Chris Haynes just reported that technically late the Lakers wanted to do a Westbrook Wall swap, <laughs> but it, but it failed because the Lakers wanted first round picks along with that. Um, so it's, it's, but it's, so it's interesting that you mentioned that no other team really has reached out when honestly you, when you think about it, the only real option he could have had to even pull this off was really this Lakers trade. Um, if, or the Lakers as suitors per se, that was honestly his best bet if he wanted to get out of there and for them to inquire and still say no, especially with everything that's going on in, you know, LA with the Russell Westbrook saga. You still don't pull that type of trade when, quite frankly, Lakers really shouldn't have even had a choice. They should have just took the deal as is. 
if it was if if I was the Lakers, because at the end of the day, you you lost all the capital you were gonna get in the first place uh, when you first dealt Russell West dealt for Russell Westbrook. But that that team and that roster in general is so is so bad that you are literally at the point of no return. So because of that, you actually have an idea that I think John Wall fits better with the Lakers at this point than Russell Westbrook does. Um, pairing that with, you know, pairing that with uh, with, Bron- with LeBron and, and AD, I don't see how you would not not only inquire, but literally do whatever it takes to even get that type of option to come to L.A., even though, yeah, Bron might have vouched for Russell Westbrook to come through. And they did everything they can to make it work, but at the end of the day, this roster is a bust. And this, and the way the roster is currently constructed, and the offense is being constructed, and Westbrook is honestly not playing at the level that we know he can play. It just doesn't. It's just a bad mix that unfortunately has got into this case. And your best chance to resolve some of that is literally get someone of equal talent potentially to come there and replace that, and especially if they're a better suit on the offensive end for LeBron James and, and that offense, I, I don't get it, man. I, I feel like the Lakers should have pulled the trigger if they could on that. Do, do y'all think it just it comes down to stubbornness in the end, or was it just a situation where they were a little delusional and, and thinking about what they could could have got back for a Westbrook uh, or something like that? Or, or you know, what, what, what do y'all think in the end led to the Lakers I not making both. any deals? Is it both? I, it was stubbornness. Yeah, it was on alert because they thought that they would be able to flip a 2027 per draft pick and use that as a big time like filler to potentially flip guys like Russell Westbrook or Taylor Horton Tucker or Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't even played a game this season, um, to get a mm. high quality piece role player back in return who fits well with LeBron. Now, I can understand maybe why they didn't do the John Wall deal from the standpoint of the Rockers were looking for a first-round pick on top of John Wall. Then, if you're the Lakers, right, and you have LeBron James in his fourth year in Los Angeles, and you have Anthony Davis, you have to give up something to, to get something. It's just that simple. You, you can't around it. And even though I think John Wall would have been more willing to play off of the ball for us, yeah, he would have been a better spot-up shooter next to LeBron, I think it would have been a challenge for him too because one thing we know LeBron, one of the most ball-dominant players in NBA history. And and in the modern-day NBA, he's by far the most ball-dominant, even more than Harden and Luka Doncic. And Bron is not coming off that ball for just anybody. It took Kyrie Irving years to gain that trust with him in Cleveland. And that's why they fell out. But when you you have a chance all-star level talent for talent, you got to do it. And I really at this point, maybe the only player that you really can trade him for is John Wall because both are on what many people consider to be bad contracts and it's kind of like a wash. You know, either or whatever. So I, yeah. I mean, it, it 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 was a little bit of both. It, it was stubbornness. They, the Lakers really thought that they could get teams to bite on young pieces 
and a first round draft pick at 27. And that's not going to cut it. First round picks and picks aren't really worth much unless you're using those picks to get stars. Because when you get these drafts, you know, you don't know who who's going to be the, the surefire guy to pick with those picks. Yeah. It's a shame, man. The, the, the same type of realization that winds up coming to Brooklyn and Philly, uh, you know, which benefits them, you know, you can argue both and, and being able to make a trade that they both knew that they needed and not letting themselves get in their own way. You know, it's, it's sort of fitting, you know, because those are two teams that are winning and that we can expect to, you know, make the playoffs and, and possibly make some noise in the playoffs, whereas the Lakers just seem to continue to be undone by their, uh, you know, you know, by their own mess, their their own dysfunction, and they you know, there's a good chance they may not even make the playoffs based off of what they're doing right now and and their inability to uh, shake up their roster. Any, I mean, it's a trip. You wonder why Magic left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. I saw you tweeted that that Stephen A going off earlier, man. He, Stephen A was snapping on him, man, and he wonder why you left your ass. <laughs> but if you really yeah. think about it, there's some truth. There could be some truth to that, right? Because that was the rumblings before oh, he yeah. left. Was the clashing that he had with Rob Polinka in doing his job, and how Rob Polinka would not give Magic the the power that he needed even though I think Magic just didn't understand the power that he had. But um, the power that the power dynamic between Rob Palenka and Magic just did not work to a point where since they had different visions for each other, he said, y'all can just have this if he's going to be around. So yeah. maybe Magic knew ahead of time what this potentially could look like. And he decided to jump out as early as he did and – yeah, of course. There's some there's some positive that came from it because you know they, LeBron got a, got a championship to LA. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. when the older he's getting and trying to maintain that level of success, it's becoming harder and harder. Especially when, quite frankly, you can't trust Andy Davis to live up to that LA that LA style of accountability. And it's it's shown throughout the ever since he won a championship, Andy Davis has not been the same. Can't stay healthy. Um, hasn't been playing all the games he needs to. Um, and even as a second, even though he's the second option on a, on a team like this, he, he's playing like a third. He's not scoring as much as he needs to, not taking over games when he needs to. When LeBron is out, he's nowhere to be found. Fourth quarter flushes. Like, he's just not the same guy anymore as of right now in this Lakers uniform. So because of all that, because of that lack of success, you know, you have to wonder what was going on behind the scenes to get to this point, even up to Magic, even with Magic Johnson's exit. And what Stephen mm-hmm. A. Smith saying when he said, you know, obviously it's Stephen A. Smith, so you got to, you know, take it and however you want it. But at the same time, there may be some truth and validity to that. And this is a prime example as to why that is. Well, what he said, I think the to biggest me, points that he made – but. Go ahead, Gabe. To me, Magic did his job. Magic's job when he got yeah. to L.A. was to get LeBron. He got the big domino to yeah. L.A. If it wasn't yeah. LeBron, there, there would be no hoopla around what the Lakers are doing. I think Rob did his job. 
by getting Anthony Davis, you know, for LeBron to pair them up together. The one two lead duo, it worked very well in year one. They won a championship in year one. What happened was, in my opinion, that the Lakers, after they got out to a hot start last year, they got caught and they thought, well, we could just dominate the league. Go up with all the talent we have. And then after the series against Phoenix, LeBron didn't have anyone to do and, and, and ignite the offense when he was sitting and resting. They sought to go big game hunt. Now they had two options over the summer. They could have went and got Buddy Hill, or they could have went and got Russell Westbrook. They decided to go for Westbrook. And but what they did was they let go of a lot of their depth that made their big unit stronger. And as a result, Washington got it. And as you know, they got off to start to start the season, albeit now they cooled off greatly, you know. But you, I say all that to say, like, they, they got greedy when they could have gotten a guy that was a complimentary piece that could shoot that fits very well off the ball besides LeBron. I, that's a good point, Gabe. I think when you look at, you know, I was about to say, and, and, and sort of going off of what's again, what Stephen A. said on first take today, I think when you look at the people making the decisions for their franchise, you traded in Magic and Jerry West, essentially. We look at the extended back history for Palenka and the Rambis. And, you know, these people who don't know as much about the game and really don't uh, affect themselves as well in the front office as the guys that you had who established, who reestablished that dynasty out there from a time when it, it looked like they were, they, they had to re, rejuvenate themselves completely from the eighties with Shaq and Kobe. And then they had to regroup from when Shaq and Kobe broke up and they did that with specific uh, high intelligence basketball minds. And they don't have those people in that franchise anymore. They don't have people like that. So, when they were able to buy out and, and do what they did to get that championship in a the bubble, they, you know, to what to Gay's point, they made certain decisions and and big, you know, they they big game hunted and whatever, and they did these things. But they they may have made decisions that I don't think that Jerry West would have made, or necessarily that Magic would have made, and it, it led to them failing in in their last season and really putting themselves in a bad position the, this year. You know, Sean, you talked about deficiencies that the Bulls allow for themselves to have, you know, really only one deficiency uh, in the past season each. The Lakers had about four, five of them deficiencies <laughs> that they allowed themselves to have coming into this season. And it allowed them really to – have really was been a, a horrible season so far, and you know now after today, there's really no sign of relief coming up because you know they don't they don't, they didn't do nothing and they don't really have any uh you know any like I said no draft capital no players flexibility in their in their uh, uh in their uh, you know their money wise to really do anything that could allow them to. Uh, be a, a, a suitable trade partner for anybody. So, yeah, they're 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 the bad way. <laughs> That's all I was really can say about the Lakers right now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Gabe, Gabe stole my thunder when he mentioned John Wall being the, the most obvious not to get moved. So uh let me let me flip two two names at y'all. Let me let me know what y'all think. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Much, much lesser impact names, but certainly I think um Cam Reddish not getting moved, staying in New York. I think I'm with you on that. Yeah. I mean, the, we we learned from the Chicago years that if their smoke around Tibbs is legit. And we saw, you know, reports earlier this this week saying that he didn't even want Reddish on the team. And, you know, the dysfunction is similar in New York in their front office situation. But, you know, Reddish, this is the third year. He's uh, extension eligible after this year. And and now you get supplanted on onto the pine in New York. You know, you got the reputation thing over his head. The talent is there. But, you know, he this 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 year of not getting moved and not being being able to showcase like he did last playoffs could very easily cost that dude millions, you know, tons of money is on the table for him um, in the extension mm-hmm. market. But, you know, I don't see it happening in New York. And then on the flip side, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie <laughs> going to, going to Dallas, he got moved, but, you know, I think that puts him in a situation where, <laughs> you know, he, he, he finally had a chance to run a team and, and, and now he's going to be behind Brunson and, and Luca and Hardaway Jr. So, I, you know, I, I don't know how long that situation is going to last in Dallas. But, yeah, those are just two names I wanted to throw out there to get y'all opinion on. Well, as, as we as we go into – I'm, I'm going to go right quick into the list of deals that were made, mm-hmm. uh, you know, today and everything. And, hey, man, you know, I, I hit I kind of hit it on the head, man, with, with the Wizards, man. They, you know – you. Yeah, I, I say I ain't, I ain't bragging or nothing, but you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. You know? <laughs> but, but I, I, you know, for, for those who know, we had a we had a uh, Twitter space last night. Uh, you can you can listen to it uh, if you just visit War. Uh, and we were talking about some of the early deals that were, and I was you know I just brought up towards the end, thinking you know especially in light of. Uh, Bradley Bill being sidelined for the rest of the season that, you know, uh, Washington may more or less pack it up and they, they strip, they almost strip themselves down to the, to the, to the, to the, uh, to their parts, to the, you know, to the ball bearings today, man, they, they let out some, they, they let off quite a few deals and, uh, you know, probably the biggest headline deal is, was the one that Sean mentions there with, then uh, Witty going to Dallas and them getting Chris uh, Porzingis in return. I believe Davis Bertans was involved in that deal as well. Let me make sure. And uh, yeah, that's that's just it's really a trip to see uh, how that went how that went down. And I think a lot of uh, you know I saw a lot of Washington fans just really like blindsided by these deals and. Um, uh, the other one I, I, we mentioned earlier about uh, Montrez Harrell being dealt, and um, let me see. I think there's another one, uh, maybe, maybe, but uh, you know, those two alone were, were high impact deals, uh, and you know, really showed that you know they're they're like I say they're re they're reestablishing themselves. They really don't. I, I, they have to not really like where they at in the East right now. To make those deals, if they, if they give away those talent, those talents like that, especially Harold, who uh, was you know making a big impact in their front in their front court. So, um, yeah, it, it, 
I, that's all I would say on that. That I was, I, I, I kind of saw that coming, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think uh, to piggyback off of Sean uh, when he talked about how even though Spencer Dinwiddie got dealt, it, it's a trade that just didn't make sense for Spencer Dinwiddie in that situation he's about to step into. Um, even though this trade already took place, I was one of the many people that scratched their heads on it. Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Halliburton, like. Sacramento, what the hell are you doing? Like, why did you trade that guy who actually wanted to be there and was putting up big numbers, and you trade him to Indiana? To Indiana? I mean, I, I get, you know, you want to start fresh and rebuild in certain ways, but well, you—I I mean, you at least get you get Demontis Sabonis back in that at least. You I mean, do. I, you do. That's why they got. That's why Sacramento made that move. They were seeking to get a star. The pair besides yes. De'Aaron Fox, you got you to gotta think about it too. They got three guard. They had three guards over there: Fox, Halliburton, and Mitchell. They needed. Yeah, how long is that going to stay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they needed a guard that was going to compliment De'Aaron. Halliburton got in the way because he's a pick and roll savant who can shoot and run offense, which is what you had De'Aaron doing. Mitchell is a guy that can play off the ball, but he helps you out defensively. And we all know Sacramento is like among the bottom year in and year out in defensive efficiency. I think that's why they stuck with Mitchell and they decided to ship Halliburton. Now, in the next two to three years, depending on how it plays out in Indianapolis, that could be a move that they regret, as well as with Sacramento, because you still have an issue with your interior defense with Sabonis there. However, what Sabonis gives you is a guy that can direct the offense when Fox sits. He's a guy that you can um, stretch the floor with as well as run your offense around, which is struggled. But then they do lose three-point shooting by also putting yield in that deal, which to me is the greatest concern of all because now your best three-point shooter is like Harrison Barnes, and he's 35% from the field. You know, like as far as what Washington did today trading Harold, I can kind of understand why they did that because I just was looking on hoops like, he makes $9 million a year, and he's on a, his contract is set to expire. He'll be a free agent next summer. So that way, you know, you get him out, out the, off the books. And one thing about Washington, they've always sought to pair Bradley Bill with a star. Um, whether that star was injured or not, getting Chris Stapps, even though I don't think that's the same Chris Stapps from New York five, several years ago, um, could be interesting if he can stay healthy and you put him with those role players that they still have in place, such as Kuz, Hachimura, Avija, and others. Yeah. But, yeah, Jazz, well, well I, it's definitely understand a lot of people across the league were like, yeah, why why do you get rid of a guy like Halliburton with such talent that he has? I think the issue stems back to, you know, how the Kings are run overall and they're drafting him in the first place. Like, yeah. You know, he wasn't he 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 was eventually going to get in the way of this of your guy Fox, who you already had there as a, established as a young star who you're going to build around. So, you know, it's tough, but, you know, it, it's a nice way for Indiana to come up. So, uh, you know, and it makes it a little harder on the, on the east and the Bulls in the in the central. But go ahead, Gay. When they did that in back to back, drafts, it kind of reminded yeah. me of like back in, in the mid 2010s. When they went and got Ben McLemore, I believe it was like in 13, and then they went and got Stauskas in 14. It's like, who does, <laughs> does that? They, they, Sacramento is all horrible outside of when they drafted Cousins 
in, in Fox for the last 10 plus years. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, I say any, uh, let, let's, let's go back to those, uh, those pre drafts uh, uh, deals pr prior to today. Uh, you know, again, Cleveland, uh, Sean had that nice deal with, with, uh, Karis LeVert. What do you think? What do you think, uh, our folks have been our, our folks been responding out there to that deal and, and are people uh you know more encouraged out there about those calves after that deal oh yeah big time big time i mean i think the calves coming into this year were slept on and then they they you know they over the, the course of the first month month and a half of the season they showed, you know, where they have the advantage and and, and exploited that night in, night out with that size. Not now, you know, they playing with house money. You know what I mean? And and you bring in a Levert who gives them a nice compliment to uh, Darius Garland. Uh, I think the Colin Sexton injury was, it, I won't call it a blessing in disguise, but it, it really freed Garland up to do his thing this year. And so now you you bring in a, a capable score, uh, someone who you know gives them a little bit more more height than 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 Sexton, but you know just as explosive if not more of a score. You know I don't I would I don't want to play them in a seven game series. I don't see you know the Bulls or or any other team in the East really matching up well, with the exception of maybe Milwaukee. So I mean like they're they're sitting sitting nice in the, in the, in the four seed right now. Uh, there's any slippage from from the Bulls, they could easily be in that top three. And like I said, they playing with house money, so there's a lot of excite, a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz in Cleveland going into uh, you know next week and the festivities for All Star Week. And so now they, they get a chance to showcase the the city and the team. And who's to say they may they may be aggressive in the buyout market themselves? Now they've created a team where you know a guy like Kevin Love can get on the horn and start talking to some of these veterans and. You know, it, that's the that's the, the challenge with the buyout market. As much as we talk about, you know, the Bulls maybe being active, you know, you, you it's a competition. You know, you got to match up with whoever's trending in the right direction when, when you start talking about guys want to join a team to ring chase. And so Cleveland is in a, in a very advantageous position because of the, the, the uh, momentum they've already built. And now they made a move with LeBert, you know, showing that they're, they're in it to win it this year. That's a good point, Shiny. You are more at the at the the will of uh, these veteran players, and and you got to make yourself, you know, sort of going back to college where you got to make yourself look appealing to these guys that are out there. And there's only so many who may be uh, able to really impact uh, teams around the league for the rest of the season. So if if the Bulls are going to be in play for any of those guys, they got to. They got to compete with for Cleveland, Milwaukee, or you know, uh, Denver or Utah, or somebody out west, the uh, Clippers or whatever, and, and be like, well, you know, you rather you might want to rather be here than over there. But uh, we'll you know we'll see how that plays out. But uh, we'll get back to the the deals that were made, and uh, again, like, like prior to today, you had you know we we all know really got the headlines. You know, Reddish, you talked about him being done his second time. He already got dealt from Atlanta to the Knicks. Uh, like I said, Levert got dealt uh, to uh, Cleveland, yo, and some picks. Uh, you know, Powell and Cutton moving from the, uh, from 
from the to the Clippers, from the Blazers, Norman Powell and and Covington and uh you know McCollum, of course the big deal with with the Blazers and the Pelicans and players from the Pelicans in that deal wind up getting moved in another deal, uh Nikhil Alexander Walker, uh among them uh going from Portland to uh to the Jazz and the Spurs uh started their dealings in that deal as well. Uh they wind up making a couple deals today. I'll get into that in a minute. But uh, you know, as we get into the deals today, you know, uh you, you the Celtics made a few made a nice cutting deal at the beginning of the day, getting rid of PJ Dozier and Bowl Bowl. <laughs> like I say a bowl bowl. And uh but uh they got rid of him early and later they made a couple of nice moves. They get Derek White, which I think really stabilizes their backcourt from the point guard position. And uh they reacquire Daniel Thice, who uh, you know, we made some made some headway here in Chicago uh after being dealt here at the trade deadline last year. They give up Dennis Schroeder, who uh, you know, some people was thinking he might be uh someone who was dealt here, as well as a couple other uh contenders the Lakers as well but uh he winds up getting sent to Houston for Daniel Thice so you you know they they solidify their front court some more the Celtics do without really giving up a player in Schroeder who it didn't seem like there was much of a future for him on that team anyway but uh you know you get of course you get the going tragic trade to the Spurs that young coming back back to uh, going back in that trade, going to Toronto, that's you know uh, that's pretty nice move there. We we look at some of these frontline players again who are moving, and you know Bulls fans aren't going to like, you know didn't like hearing these moves throughout the day. Tory Craig moving from uh, the Pacers to the Suns, you know uh, it, it, it's the type of stuff that you know again sort of frustrates some fans uh, along the way, but uh, we'll see how those te- those uh, deals play out and who really gets to, uh, you know, get really takes advantage of those deals and what, what they become of these teams. Uh, the fo- big four-team deal is, is the last deal I'm going to mention. Uh, that was probably the deal that really broke things open today with the Bucks, Pistons, Clippers, and Kings all involved there. Um I don't know from from that deal or any other ones. What what was uh the the deal that really sticks out to y'all today? Uh, outside of the the ones that we've already talked about. That's 14 it's hard to mess up to the, to the, the, the Bucks. Go ahead, game. Yeah, I, I have 14 deals. Yeah, because like our team that's been in that playing range, and for them to make the moves that they've been making over the deadline, to me, like Kawhi and PG must be be rehabbing behind closed doors feeling like really, really good because they've gone all in and they've let be known that they're not seeking to punt away their season by any means. And 
that's a group that if I have a top seed in the West, I don't want to face them in a best of seven series. That defense has gotten better. My only question is, is if Zubox was to get hurt, who do you have to back him up at the five? It's obvious that they're going to go all in in small ball. Batum's going to be playing a lot of small ball five there. Robert Covington's going to be playing a lot of small ball five there as well. But from an X's and O's standpoint, I'm very intrigued to see that Clippers roster. And I know that they're not done because they can get a point guard now off the buyout market. And they don't have to pay much. You could get a Dennis Schroeder in L.A. You could get a Goran Dragic to pair with those guys. And, and defensively, they're going to be ready. And Ty Lue has always been a, a master of making adjustments on the fly when he needs to and when he has to. I, I really like what the Clippers have done. Yeah, yeah. And and the look at the big names else uh, uh also included in that trade. You know, Gabe mentions the size uh that they give up in that deal. That was indeed Serge Ibaka going to Milwaukee. Milwaukee sends out Dante DiVincenzo. Uh he goes out to Sacramento. And um uh Marvin Bagley, the third, who was uh pretty frustrated out there in Sacramento, winds up going to Detroit. So, uh, you know, it, I think, you know, uh, that's a deal that, you know, like I said, a lot of interesting parts to it uh, remains to be seen how those guys are going to function in their new places. But I think there's a, a good chance that, you know, at least two or three of the teams in that deal may be uh, feeling pretty good about themselves right now. Uh, and, you know, I see DiVincenzo does some different things coming out, coming back to Sacramento. We talked about the state of their backcourt uh, gives you a little bit more shooting and, uh, you know, not necessarily a guy who's going to uh, be ball dominant as opposed to uh, as much as maybe Tyrese Halliburton. He could be more of a, of a you know dispenser of the ball playing, you know, possibly next to Fox or, you know, staggering numbers with Fox, staggering uh, to minutes with Fox and all that. So, you know, a little more flexibility, uh, probably is a, is a, is allowed to Sacramento coming out of the deal, and they get rid of a disgruntled player again in Bagley, and you know him going to Detroit. You know Detroit isn't the the most glamorous team right now, but they're a team that has some young talent, and uh, I would imagine that Bagley's going to be able to play more and contribute. Uh, be he's definitely going to be of need more in Detroit than he was in Sacramento. Yeah. So, uh, Sean, uh, Sean got his little connection issues. We'll see if he could join us. We're not, uh, we're gonna start to wrap up pretty soon. Like I said, I gotta get over. Uh, we're gonna get a, a playoff preview, NFL playoff, Super Bowl playoff preview, uh, at the top of the hour, uh, with a uh, Lakina and, um, a, a Champ Tanksley and Ken Davis will be a guest on that one. But, uh, you know, as we wrap this show up, uh, I said any anything any anything else any other details of these trades that happened today that uh stand out to y'all? Of course, I mean Harden Harden going to Philly. I mean I I I don't think James has ever played with a big as talented as Joel Embiid. Granted, he's played with a lot of talented pieces, but that's gonna be a hell of a one-two duo um, in Philadelphia as well as. Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant, Brooklyn. 
you know, with his passing wizardry and, and stuff. And, you know, his he, he won't get exposed for his lack of a jump shot in Brooklyn playing besides not only KD, but Kyrie as well. I, I, I think that move works for both teams, especially when it was friction between Kyrie and James that I know um, was happening. I, I just was disappointed that Woj was bluffing with the news because when I saw the the morning article at the top of the hour saying, you know, James was worried about the backlash. I, I believe that that was true. But at the same time, that was a deal that I felt like was going to happen no matter what. It was only a matter of time with the way that they were resting James out of games and whatnot. Well, and you know what? Uh, that makes me, that, that reminds me of the, the tweet. Uh, Stat Muse apparently was given the, uh, uh, keeping track of the of trades broken by Woj and Shams today. And they give an 11 8 edge to Shams. So, you know, Stadium tweeted out that there's a new king. So, you know, maybe Woj may have been a little bit of, uh, he may have thought of, thought himself, he may have overthought a little bit with that one, Gabe. You know, he may, he might have had, uh, got out to a better start today if he just went ahead and broke that instead of us uh, sitting on it like you think, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, but hey, that's part. That's part of the whole thing too with these trade deadlines. And people keep track of, like, say, shares versus woes. That's a, that's a big of a rivalry as any we got in the game right now. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely something special to uh, to witness. But at the same time, obviously, um, I think I. The, I think the biggest thing that I want to pay attention to, one of the biggest things that's kind of small, but it might be a big deal for the Bulls, especially when we talk about how they need that front court depth. I don't know if Tristan Thompson is going to be in that buyout market, but he showed us part of that trade that went to the Pacers. Um, yeah. Maybe he, if he gets bought out, you know, and he wants to chase another ring, like, like uh, Sean talked about how you, there's going to be a lot of competition for potentially for his services, but – you know, if he drives a couple hours uh, back to East, going towards, uh, I, I forgot which direction that is per se, but he goes to Chicago, potentially. Hey, this got to go up I sixty five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that we that that could be an ideal option for him, especially when you're talking about the services coming off the bench as a backup for Vooch. He may not bring the offensive firepower that Vooch brings, but he brings the defensive component and the rebounding that we mentioned before. So. That's definitely an option for the Bulls to really potentially pursue um, if that were to happen. I just don't know if you may get in, if you're gonna get any of these Chicago women pregnant. But hey, I don't know. We'll see about how that goes. <laughs> see, that's what they were saying about Indianapolis right away. Like he he might he, he might take over Indianapolis if he went there, man. He, I can see him. I can see him doing this thing on. I can see him being a Rush Street MVP. In Chicago, yeah, he might look around and uh take over Naptown a little bit. We'll see though, uh, if he stays. If otherwise, he's gonna try to come be the next Windy City, Windy City assassin, but only in the bedroom. I'm saying, yeah, <laughs> I was saying, I he, he'd be a River North soldier coming up, coming up this way. <laughs> I can see that, man. <laughs> yeah. True. That, yeah, that, that, that's very true, man. But also, I gotta give a shout out to our guy Cam Smith, man. Cam Smith, they did the stadium did their uh, inside the association uh, trade deadline show for a few hours today, and Cam definitely uh, yeah, shout yeah. out there uh, for sure. So shout out to all our friends, man. Yeah, shout out to all 
all our friends who was putting in work today in, in their own way, doing what they do, you know, school B. He's going to be on the show next week. Uh, and, uh, you know, all our people, man, like I said, Rob Schaefer, uh, my my colleague over at NBC Sports. And yeah. uh, like I said, everybody's doing their thing, man. Uh, you know, this is a, a great day, like I say, to cover the league and to be obsessed with the league in whatever way, however you're getting – if you get money off of it, even more power to you. So, you know, uh, definitely salute to everybody out there. But like I said, before we go, though, I'm, I'm just going to go over these rosters with the uh, the All-Star team real quick. We'll probably talk some more about it uh, as we we uh, get more uh, – talk about more about it next week, previewing the All-Star kids and stuff. But um, I, I said earlier, the Bulls – the two Bulls All-Stars got split up uh, from – Team Durant and Team uh, uh, Team LeBron, and I, I may notice. I don't know if you saw Gabe, but uh, there's a there's a great bit of the of the drafting part portion of, of the broadcast on TNT when they got to the uh, the reserves. You know, Durant was sort of you know obviously, but not obviously avoiding uh, drafting uh, Harden. And uh, you know, it got to a point where it was so yeah, it was so obvious that everybody set noticed and you know sort of broke up everybody. Durant, I say Durant didn't lose no cool. He just went about his business and he made sure that uh, he wasn't gonna have that dude on his team. You know, and I ain't mad at him. It's still fresh. It's still very fresh. So we'll see how uh, it plays out in, in those up in Brooklyn and Philly. But uh, as of the, the are constructed, you know, LeBron wound up selecting uh, Giannis, Steph Curry, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Jokic as his starters. And, uh, and B, Jason Tatum, and Trey Young, and Andrew Wiggins are the starters for Durant. Of course, we know Durant is uh, not going to be playing in the game, so they actually got Tatum as sort of a – automatic selection to replace him and the reserves for team James include Luka Doncic, Darius Garland, Chris Paul, Butler, Donovan Mitchell, Fred Van Vliet and Harden. And uh, on the other side for Durant, he's got Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, Zach Levine, uh, DeJounte Murray, Chris Middleton, LaMelo Ball, and Rudy Gobert. Uh, it, it, either, either one of those teams look particularly more tempting than the other to y'all? I think KD is looking to be a better G, is pretty much being a better GM than LeBron. Uh, <laughs> in, in this regard, um, I like the moves that Kevin Durant has made, um, especially when you talk about, um, you know, getting Joel Embiid on the team. Uh, I just, I just think that he, he has a more diverse catalog as far as offensively and combination with defensively, what you know that offense can do, um, and what that roster can do compared to mm-hmm. Bron. So Bron got some big names over there. I feel him, but. Brown's just going after stars again, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I think Brown's pulling up the stars again, which, I mean, hey, when stars align, it's a beautiful thing. But 
you got to have strategies to go with it. I think Durant is taking the more strategic approach uh, with this, and he constructed a better roster than than, than Bron did. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it yeah. goes at All-Star Week, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, that game and how that goes now, especially, you know, since, I mean, KD didn't choose Harden, and he did not, you know, he seemed like he was pretty – Adamant as to what as to why that's going to be. So I'm looking forward yeah, to seeing how all yeah. that goes. Down. He was not having that. Yeah. Brian is four zero in these in these games. So you know he's he's <laughs> been able to maintain an undefeated record so far. I want to see how many minutes Brian gonna play because when I look at Brian <laughs> roster, no, like for real, when I look at Brian, he got so many guards. He can run like two man guard sure. units or whatever. Like he don't have to handle the ball. All he got to do is just, like, run up the floor, catch lobs or whatever. Like, I, if this game get ugly, you could see a repeat of what happened last year. But then again, since it's in Cleveland, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, knowing that Cleveland only give gets him a little something. to play once a year. I think he'll put a, his best foot forward. But all them guards they got, man, that's that's going to be tough to stop. Because they got a lot we of get- firepower with the guard position. It's, it's, it's take your pick. He gonna have them doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Gabe, look, if if he if he come out there with a rolled up paper in his hand, he ain't gonna be playing much. He gonna be he gonna be pounding that paper in his palm, like go and go go do go and do that, Darius. Darius, <laughs> he gonna be directing. He gonna be doing more directing than playing. If they get up twenty, I, I believe you. <laughs> hey, uh, 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 shy man, you got any thoughts, man? Before we wrap up. Um, just to just to switch it a little bit, the the skills challenge, I, I'm not really feeling the shenanigans with the skills challenge, man. They they switched it up this year, uh, but I do credit the league for thinking outside of the box on the rising stars. I'm really looking forward to to, to the tournament style uh, brackets that they they created for that. So um, just the lead up to to the All Star game is is going to be. Yeah. You know, a little exciting on the on the on the rising stars front, and then not so much on the on the skills challenge. But um, now y'all hit on the points in terms of the big game on Sunday. Uh, KD definitely did his thing. Uh, I I suspect they they'll get out. To me, it looks like they got the better uh, three point shooters, and so we know that the the all star game is all about you know jacking up the threes and and getting the lobs in. So. If if uh, K- Team KD get out to an early lead, you know, because they got the three-point shooters, it may be tough for LeBron squad to catch up. Definitely. definitely. You're you going to try to make it out to any of the the, the – I, I know it's going to be a lot going on in Cleveland in general, but uh, as far as the games or anything, you're going to try to make it out to any of those? Any taxing. I, I'll, I'll do my <laughs> best to see if I, if I can can pull some, uh, some, some strings and get in there one of them days. But, yeah, they definitely taxing. But there's a lot going yeah. on outside of the game, as you know. You know, a lot of festivities, a lot of, uh, you know, forums and, and, and summits that are, are going to be impactful as well. So I'm definitely going to be in the mix in some capacity. Yeah, we're going to have Sean on for the first show after All-Star Weekend so get some of the uh, the on-the-ground uh, reaction from him and stuff because I, I don't think any of us from the show are going to be there this year. So. But uh, but like I say, Sean, no, out in the night, game. man, it's like just a couple hours away. <laughs> I know, man. It's, it's I would love to, but you know, it's it, I don't think it's gonna work for me this year. But 
But yeah, but like I said, we got we got one we got one guy out there in the land. We go we go uh, make some use of you. But uh, yeah, that's that's the show, man. For for this evening, we uh, I definitely thank you guys for sitting in with me and and talking everything that happened today. It was like I said, again, a, a fun day, a lot a lot to chew on and a lot to uh to deliberate on going forward. But uh, yeah, we. It's going to be a very interesting uh, rest of the NBA season in general uh, here in Chicago and abroad. And, and uh, you know, we, we, we got like I said, no moves were made on the Bulls' behalf, but we at least have the uh, comfort in knowing that there still is they still are a competitive team and they're going to factor in uh, how the East has decided one way or another. So just got to take it at take it at, at how we live in, in, in that manner. But uh, you know, I'm, I hate to rush, but got another show. But uh, you know, for you, for signing off for my guys, uh, Josh. Let me get the uh, tags up for Josh and Gabe. You could follow them on Twitter. Definitely great follows if you're not following them already. And uh, Sean, of course, more. We, we want more people to follow Sean, man, out there. You know, he, he he definitely is in the mix with a lot of the basketball talk. That's why he, you're going to see him more on this show. So, uh, Sean, you ain't got the tag up, but uh, let people know how to follow you. Yeah, I'm at, at Craft Beer So Shy, all one word together. And, uh, yeah, just, just follow the shenanigans uh, definitely on, on the Bulls front, too. If you, you're looking for Bulls in, insight and perspective, you can find me there on Twitter. Um, we'll we'll get some other platforms going this year too. For sure, like I said, you gonna you gonna hear more of him on the show, on this show in particular. And uh, and you know he's part of the the Regal family, the War family, uh, always. So you know he's helped he helped establish this stuff. So definitely give him his props for that. And uh, me, you know, y'all y'all should know where to find me if you don't by now. Uh, but uh, you know I'm out here either way. <laughs> so uh that's it for now. Like I said, I'm gonna be uh I'm not well, you're not actually gonna see me on this next show, but I'm gonna be running it from behind the boards. But check out uh Lakina and Joe and uh, uh Ken Davis and uh Vic Chokshi uh gonna be on our NFL Super Bowl preview extravaganza. This was a spectacular that's gonna be an extravaganza. Sure. So uh <laughs> more work for you for yours truly, more work for our guys, more work, more life. We're gonna keep bringing it to you as only we can here run on running with four. Check back with us next week. And uh until then, y'all keep bouncing. All right, y'all. Peace. <laughs>